Thanks so much for listening today. We hope that through this message, you are being filled with the grace and hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. If this message and ministry has made an impact on you in any way, be sure to let us know about it by emailing us at mystory@thefuelchurch.com. And even if you couldn't be here in person, be sure to check in with us on Instagram and Facebook to let us and others know that you are listening and growing with us here at Fuel Church. Every month through these check-ins, we are making a global difference. Now, let's jump into this week's message. I want to get into this message because um, um, I really feel, um, like I said Wednesday, I felt the Lord say there was going to be chains breaking from this message today. And he gave me a message titled, Victory Over Fear. Victory Over Fear. I want you to say that with me. Victory over fear. One more time. Victory over fear. How do we gain victory over fear? How do we gain victory over fear? Um, Unless you were born yesterday, you know that um, we live in a very fearful world, a very fear-based world. And if that is the case, and that certainly is, then we need to learn how to be fearless in a world that wants us to live fearful. We need to learn how to be fearless in a world that wants us to live fearful. The culture we live in loves to incite fear in us, doesn't it? And our enemy loves for us to be fear-filled instead of faith-filled, doesn't he? The virus, the virus, the virus, the virus, oh, the virus. Oh, 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 oh. The virus. The virus. The virus. And that's all we've heard for the last couple weeks is the virus. Um, true, little truth about the virus, 86,000 people have been affected. There have been around 2,700 deaths worldwide. There's hundreds of cases now in the U.S., Um, May I remind you that this virus is a very small, minute micronism, micronism. (laughs) Did I say that wrong? Microorganism. I get it right. I get it right. I get it right. Microorganism. There we go. It's so small. It's so small, but yet it's had such a big impact in our world, hadn't it? Amazing, the Bible says that the little foxes spoil the vine. It's amazing how the Bible says it's the small things that make a big difference in our life. And it's amazing how our world has caught on to this very small, minute virus that can't even be seen except with a telescope or whatever they use. Microscope. <laughs> telescope. that this, this, this little virus has spread and grown. Now, 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 now let me just say this disclaimer for someone who's saying, oh, we need to, you know, we need to use caution. Yes, we do. We need to use wisdom. Wash your hands for once in your life. <laughs> Dear Lord, I can't tell you how many times I walk out of the men's restroom and men don't wash their hands. Nastiest thing ever. Stay home if you're sick, right? Yes, yes, use wisdom. We need to use wisdom. Yes, prepare but we don't prepare out of panic. We don't prepare out of panic. 
And so what the enemy wants to do is incite fear within our hearts. Now here's the reality since the virus, the virus, the virus. Our world, world is in a panic. The stock market has dipped lower than it has in years. Travel has went down. Airlines laying off hundreds and hundreds of people. Cruise lines laying off hundreds and hundreds of people. People are staying home. They're scared. People are buying masks. You can't even get a mask anymore on Amazon. They're all sold out. All sold out. Try to go to Lowe's. They're all sold. You can't even do your drywall work this week. Can't even do it. All sold out. Hand sanitizer. All sold out everywhere. Sold out everywhere. Interesting, Amazon online grocery shopping is through the roof because people are not even going out to grocery stores anymore because of fear. Someone say fear. 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 What does fear do? Fear, fear paralyzes us. Fear paralyzes us. And because of where this virus, the virus, the virus, originated from, people have stopped eating Chinese food. Now, I'm not, I didn't do that for a laugh, but you laughed. But it's true. So tonight, go eat some Chinese food. Support them. I'm serious. Support them. They, their sales are way down because people, people are just people. I mean, we're so crazy. Americans freak out over the virus, the virus. That millions, someone say millions. Millions have stopped drinking Corona beer because of the virus. It's the truth. Google it. Their sales plummeted because it's called Corona. They think, well, if they got the coronavirus, then all they need is the Lyme disease and they're good. I can't help it. I can't help it. It's what I do. It's what I do. I work all week for stuff like that. <laughs> the enemy loves to incite fear. Let's paralyze not just the U.S., but the whole world. Let's quarantine them. Now, the virus is real. I'm not telling you it's not real. Please hear me. It is a real thing. And we should use wisdom, but we should not allow fear to dictate us, to drive us, to cause us to be paralyzed and stop our lives. We should not allow that. We should not allow that. The enemy loves to instill fear, incite fear in us. And let me just tell you what fear is. Fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. I heard this quote, a lie can make it around the world before the truth gets his shoes laced up. And that's what happened with this virus. It made it around the world before the truth even is even coming out now, right? Like I said, I believe it's real. I believe it's real, but don't be ruled by fear. You remember Y2K? How'd your computer turn out? How's your neighbor's bunker doing? How's all the Christians that dug holes and got 10-gallon gallon beans in their bunker doing? Still eating pork and beans with their family. 20 years later. How are them beans? They're great. It's going to hit any minute. Y2K.
Now, now we're laughing and we're having fun. But did I tell you I know the virus is real? It, it, it could, it probably already is in Indiana somewhere, okay? So we need to use wisdom, right? But we are not going to let fear drive us. No, no, no. Because we are people of faith. And the opposite of fear is faith. We walk by faith, not by fear. We walk by faith. And we will not believe the lies of the enemy. Come up here, Jason. Come up here. Because we're talking about a virus that brings lies. But I want to talk about some other chains of lies that you and I deal with. Because really, if you look at everything in your life, everything in my life that the enemy brings at me, if you look at the chains that he puts around us, they all have one common theme. They lead, they're a lie, first of all, that lead to fear. Someone say fear. fear. They're a lie that leads to fear. Someone say fear. fear. So the enemy whispers in your mind. The enemy whispers in your mind, you're not good enough. No one will ever want to be with you. The enemy whispers in your mind, your marriage is going to end in divorce. They don't love you like they first loved you. And then you're fearful, right? Every lie ends in fear. Every lie the enemy has ends in fear. He tells you that your kids, they're always going to struggle. You're, you're always going to have this issue with your kids. And he tells you, you know, your kids may not make it home from the bus stop today. Every lie ends with fear. And the enemy loves to chain us up, doesn't he? With lies. And what he does is he loves to link us up one lie after another. He loves to link us up. He loves to entangle us with lies. He loves for us to be immobilized when it comes time to worship God. He doesn't want us to lift our hands up in praise. He doesn't want us to worship God. Why? Because he knows the power of praise and worship. See, some of you don't know the power of it. The enemy knows the power of it. He was the praise and worship leader, the angelic voice in heaven. He was the one who worshiped Almighty God, and then he became pride-filled, and he was kicked out along with one-third of the angels out of heaven. He is the fallen praise and worship leader. So he knows if I can just get enough chains around them so they can't even lift their hands, if I can get doubt in their mind, if I can get insecurity, even if they come to church, if I can just get them paralyzed with fear and I can get the, chain, the lies and the chains wrapped around them, then they don't get their breakthrough. They don't get their breakthrough. Because the power is in your praise. You see, you're, 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 you're praising a God who already broke the chains. When you lift your hands, when you open your mouth, there's power in exalting the name above every name. You're not here to lift up Fuel Church, my name, or any other name. You're here to lift up the name of Jesus that can break every chain. 
And so, so, so he, he wants to attach one lie. He wants to link them up one after another. He wants to get you to believe the lie that this illness will end in your death. He wants you to get, believe the lie that, that, that any day your job, they could give you the pink slit. You're gone. Any day, you're fired. You're, we're going to let you go. We're laying off. And he wants you to walk around in fear. He wants the believer. He, he really don't mind if you serve on a team. He really doesn't mind if you tithe. As long as he can chain you up, as long as he can keep you from the victory that is found in Jesus Christ, as long as he can keep you in bondage, that's where he wants you. That's where he wants your marriage. That's where he wants your family. That's where he wants your praise all chained up. So it's one lie after another lie. Then he gets the chain long enough, he just pulls you around. And now he is your master. Now he is your master. Now he is your master instead of him. Now he is your master. And you're moved by every piece of bad news. And you're up and down in your feelings because you're, you have the wrong master. And a man can't serve two masters, the Bible says. He can only serve one master. And some of you are saved. And you're on your way to heaven if you were to die. But, but, but you're allowing the master of this world, the small G-O-D, the Bible says, of this world to, to, to pull you around and to have his way in your life. And it's time that you get victory over fear. It's time you get victory over fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. You will either walk by faith or fear. Look at this scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Who gave you that fear then if God didn't do it? The enemy, the devil, Satan. By the way, he sucks, by the way, in case you didn't know. Satan sucks. Your spiritual enemy. For God has not given you a spirit of fear. How do I know if it's God? Or, well, is it fear? Then it's not God. He hasn't given you that. It's really very simple. What has he given me? Power over the enemy. Power to use the name that is above every name that fear has to bow. That power. You say, man, I, I feel powerless. All you need to do is breathe, mutter the name of Jesus. And that power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, has to come off of you. The chains have to fall off of you when you say the name of Jesus. When you begin to praise your God, chains begin to fall. Someone say, I hear those chains falling. Thank you, Jason. Give, it, give a hand clap for him. I wanted to give you that illustration at the beginning. Are you ready now? Okay. God has not given us. What has he given us? Power, love, 
Self-discipline. Self-discipline. Sometimes the fear in our life is brought on to ourselves. Can I talk to you for a minute? Sometimes, sometimes we work ourselves up. Sometimes it, it's our fault we're allowing fear to drive us. And God said, I, I gave you self-discipline. I gave you self-discipline. I gave you my love, and I gave you my power to overcome fear. Somebody say victory over fear. Victory. All right, here's our text. Joshua 3. I hope you came to hear the word tonight. Did you come to hear the word? You aren't in a hurry, are you? Okay, because I'm going to preach this thing like I feel it. We're just getting started. I got to take the jacket off, though. It's hot up here. Are you ready? Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and he set out to Shidem. They came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see, see what? The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, which represented the presence of God. It was God's presence in that ark, okay? The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubics in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. Read these next couple words. For you have not passed this way before. One more time. For you have not passed this way before. Have you ever been in an unknown place? Oh, I'm going to preach this like I feel it. I feel like Rocky. Have you ever been in a place of unfamiliar territory? place of the unknown, unfamiliar season of your life where fear tried to grip your heart and tried to stop you from moving forward. This is where we find Joshua and the children of Israel. Two million strong. Someone say two million. <laughs> Joshua, let me give you some context here to the text. Joshua, Joshua was under the great leader Moses. Pastor Mo, what's up? Moses had led the children out of Egyptian bondage, and then he led them what was supposed to be to the promised land. But do you remember what happened? If you were raised in church, you heard this. For 40 years, they were stuck in a place called the wilderness. Wilderness. Stay with me. They were in the wilderness, and the wilderness, it was kind of dry. <laughs> you ever been through a wilderness? You ever been through a wilderness? What, what, what should have took about a four-week journey took 40 years. Why? Why? You were, you, you were 700 years in Egyptian bondage, generation after generation, pharaohs, taskmasters, building bricks out of straw and mud, and that's what you did. Generation, one generation came, the next, what are we going to do? Just, we're, we're slaves to Pharaoh. Okay, what are you going to do, mommy? We're slaves to Pharaoh. Generation after generation, God brings them out to take them into their promised land, the land that he promised and said he would bring the children of Israel into from Abraham, the father of our faith, 500 years before. Someone say 500 years. I'm giving you a lot of context, but stay with me because we're going somewhere. Hit your never say he's going somewhere. 
500 years before he gave Abraham, the father of our faith, this promise that, Abraham, I'm going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey. They shall no longer be slaves, but they shall have their own land. They they, they shall have uh, farms, and they shall have cattle, and they shall be blessed. And he mapped out the land of Canaan, and he, he sent this tribe to this land, and that tribe to that land. And it was all mapped out. Abraham had the promise from God that out of his lineage would come the nation of Israel. But here he was with no kids. You remember? Do you remember? No kids, but he had a promise that the Israelites would be great and they would own lots of land. And here they are on the brink of that promise Okay, I'm going back and forth 500 years, and now we fast forward. Are you ready? Here we are, 500 years after the promise. Pastor Joshua is rolling with 2 million people, and here they get to the Jordan River. On the other side of Jordan is Canaan. It's the land God promised Abraham 500 years prior. That long, 500 years. They were in the wilderness for 40. Why were they in the wilderness? Because they complained all the time. Bunch of complaining Christians. I know that's not you. (laughs) But complaining never gets you to your destiny. They murmured. They backbiting, gossiping, read the Bible. They came against Pastor Mo and his leadership. There was church fights and church splits. And God said, okay, delayed another year. Delayed another year. Y'all didn't get it. You still complaining over manna. They, every morning, sausage, egg, and biscuit dropped in their lap. Manna. For lunch, a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A dropped in their lap. What is this? Manna. For dinner, a steak from Roadhouse dropped on their lap. What is this? Manna. Every day, the same thing dropped in their lap, and they complained over it. Hmm? They would go kick a rock and water would come out of it. Water machine right there. Probably called Rocky Top Water or something. I don't know. (laughs) But they complain. God said, delay, delay. How many times have we ourselves delayed the destiny and the promise that God had for our lives because we were ungrateful? I think about that for my life. How many times have I been ungrateful and I delayed the promise of God? God said, I wanted to take you in there, but you're ungrateful. You're complaining. You need to shift your perspective. Come on now. If you complain, you remain. If you praise, you get a raise. Mm. It was unknown territory. It was somewhere they had never been. And sometimes we would rather stay where it's comfortable, taking no risk because we like the known. We like the known. We like what's familiar. We like what's familiar. It's predictable. And sometimes it's harder to step out into the unknown because we allow fear to paralyze us. Church, let me submit to you this. Fear does not own the what-ifs in your life. Fear does not own the what-ifs in your life. See, we all have a choice to throw out fear-filled scenarios in our lives, 
like this. What if it doesn't work out? What if I try and I fail? What if I look like a fool? Or we can have faith-filled scenarios. What if God shows up and meets me there? What if I step out and start this business and God breathes on it and he blesses it? What if God heals my body? What if God turns my marriage around? What if I step out and believe God for the impossible and God actually does it? So for some of you, you need to stop allowing the what ifs to own your life. You're letting fear-based scenarios of what if to rule and reign every decision that you make. This is not called a fearful-filled life. It's a faith-filled life. It's the walk of faith, not the walk of fear. Huh? Sometimes with God, we are called to run towards what scares us. Although counterintuitive, it's the currency of faith. It's the currency of the kingdom to run towards what scares us. And victory comes when we face our fears and do the very thing that terrifies us. Am I helping anybody tonight? I'm not to my point yet, but we're getting there. We're going to overtime, by the way, on first Thursday. Guy said, we're going to put 30 minutes on the clock. I said, the devil's a liar. I want 40 tonight. <laughs> they said, really? I said, yep, I'm the pastor. I want 40. <laughs> so fear, think about this. Fear is at times necessary for us in order for us to use our faith. Fear at times is necessary in order for you and I to use our faith, isn't it? Think about it. If you were never scared, how do you have an opportunity to use your faith? Are you scared about some decisions? Right? So you can be scared and do it afraid, right? You can do it afraid. So it takes a little bit of that to step out in faith and believe God to do something that only God can do in your life. The greatest enemy of the unknown is the known, but God has hardwired each and every one of us to jump into the unknown. He's a God of faith, and you have more faith than you realize tonight. You have more faith than you realize. Think about it. You're sitting in a chair, and you have faith in that chair that's going to hold you up. Come on now. You don't know who put it together. You don't know what it's made out of. You have faith. You get in your car. Every day, you have faith in your car. You have faith. You had faith to confess that Jesus died for your sin. You were never there at Calvary's cross. But you said, I believe he died for me over 2,000 years ago. You have faith. The devil's just told you you ain't got no faith. And the devil is a liar. Fear is a liar running out of breath. I said, fear is a liar running out of breath. You have the victory over fear, my friend. Hmm? And a lot of times, for us to fulfill the promise of God in our life, God is waiting on us to make a move. 
We're not waiting on God. He's waiting on us to make the leap. Someone say the leap. So Joshua told his leaders, hey, we're going to an area where we've never been before. We have not been this way before. And I want to tell you tonight, by the time we leave, you're going to step into an area that you have never been before. And I speak it prophetically over your life, over your business, over your marriage. I speak it over your children, your finances. You have not been this way before. Because when the chains of fear break over your life, there is nothing limiting you to everything God has said over you and promised over you. The promises of God are yes and amen. And I love this scripture in Hebrews. I love this scripture in uh, actually 1 John 5, 4. It says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Whoever's born of God overcomes the world. The first part of that verse says, you've been born of God. All of us have. We came from God. We'll return to God one day. If you've been born of God, you've overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes fear, even our faith. You see, you see, when you realize that you needed faith to accept Christ into your life, to forgive you of your sins, and you realize that you need faith every day to live for Christ, it changes everything. See, some of you thought it was just faith for that moment of salvation, of repentance, and yes, that's right, but every day you can wake up and you can live a faith-filled life knowing that God has gone before you, that God has already blazed the path for you, Yes, there's going to be obstacle. Are you crazy? Yes, the devil hates that you're pursuing God. He hates that you're here on a Thursday. My Lord, he hates that you're here. Get ready for the washing machine to act up this week. Coffee machine to act a fool. He hates that you're here on a Thursday night. The enemy's going to attack you because you're pursuing your God-given destiny. And you're going after God. And you're walking this walk of faith and not fear. Yes, he's going to attack you. But you have the victory already. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a place of victory. Now, let me get to my points because y'all have got me all over the place. So they're staring at the promise. Remember, they're on the other side of the Jordan. They got to cross Jordan. They're not there yet, but they can see it. They can see Jordan's river. They can see the Canaan beyond Jordan's river. They're staring at the promise. But between them and the promise is a problem a problem. Hit your neighbor and say, there's a problem. If we're going to be fearless in pursuing the unknown, the first truth we must understand, I got three points. Imagine that. First point is your problem is God's vehicle to your promise. Someone say this with me. Your problem. Let's try that again. That's a problem. Ready? Go. Your problem is God's vehicle to your promise. One more time. Your problem is God's vehicle to your promise. Here they are on the brink of Jordan's River. On the other side of them is the land they've been waiting for generation after generation, 500 years earlier, shown to Abraham. But there was 
a problem. What was the problem? The problem was this, the fact that it was a season of harvest, a season of harvest where the banks of the Jordan River were flooded up to a mile long. In this season, they could not cross Jordan's River because of the harvest season. Normally, it would not be even a half mile long, around a quarter of a mile long. They could cross over, but because the banks were flooded, there was a problem in between them and their promise. There was a problem. Hit your neighbor and say, There's a problem. There's a problem. There's a problem. What do you do when in between you and your problem and and your promise is a problem? What do you do when in the middle of it, you could see the answer? You could see God moving, but you know there's something in between blocking you. What do you do? You trust God. You trust God. You trust God. Someone say, you trust God. You trust God. You see, you may see and feel this problem and feel like it's unattainable, feel like you can't conquer this, but God sees this problem as a platform to your promise. You see, your, promise, your problem is working for you. It's producing a currency for you to possess the promise of God. Look at James 1, 2, and 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles... This is for Christians. This is for the church, right? Someone said, man, I got saved and I thought all my problems would leave, but I got more problems. Yep. First book of P. Diddy, Mo' Money, Mo' Problems. (laughs) Consider it opportunity for great joy. What are you talking about, James? I got problems. You want me to be joyful? Opportunity? You want me to consider it? The problem? But I'm not to, I don't have the promise. I don't, I, I, what do you mean? Yep. For you know that when you are what? Is what? Your endurance has a what? To grow. Oh, man. So... Let it grow. Let it grow. Stop quitting when problems come. Let your faith grow. Let it grow. Let it grow. Why? For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. <laughs> Oh, your problem is the answer. You didn't hear that. Two people got it. It's okay. Your problem is the answer. Some husband's like, I told you I was the answer. (laughs) I told you, honey. You said I was the problem. I'm the answer. I'm going to have troubles. Yeah. I got to consider it an opportunity for great joy. Yeah. Yeah. 
And my faith is going to be a test. Yeah. Yep. And may I remind you that the teacher is the quietest during the test. Some of you wonder why you haven't heard God. He's there. He's there in the test of your life. Teacher's the quietest. May I remind you, in order to go to the next grade, you have to pass the test. Mm-hmm. And then my endurance has a chance to grow, and I need to let it grow. Yeah. And when my endurance is fully developed, I'll be perfect, complete, and I won't need anything. Yep. Listen, church, there is a part of you that will never be awakened until you go through a fight. I, I said everything to say this. There is a part of you. There is a part of you that will never be awakened until you go through some pain, until you face some hell, until God is all you got, and you realize God is all I need. There is a part of you that will never be awakened until you deal with uncertainty, until you deal with struggles, Stop trying to get out of what God is using to grow you. How many times have I wanted to run from it because I don't like it? I don't like the growing pains. I don't, I don't want to go through this. God's saying, hold still, hold still. Stop squirming out of what I have you in. I'm doing a work inside you. You can't see it right now, but you're going to see it. You're going to see what I'm doing in you. Others are going to see it. It's for my glory. Things get awakened in the fight. Things get awakened in the fight. You realize how much of Jesus you have in you when the fight comes. You realize that I am stronger than the enemy that's coming against me. You realize who your God is. You wouldn't have a revelation of who God is if you wouldn't have went through that tragedy, if you wouldn't have dealt with that pain in your life, that heartbreak, that divorce. You wouldn't have realized who God is if, he, if you didn't have that sickness and seen God heal your body. You wouldn't realize who God is if you didn't need the peace of God for your fear and anxiety and your depression. You wouldn't realize who he is if you wouldn't have faced what you faced. It was not a mistake. And you are not a mistake. So you need to know today that your problem is God's vehicle to your promise. Second thing you need to know is your promise, it's in his presence. I need to tell you tonight, you came to the right place. I need to tell you that every time you fight to get to this place, you're making the best decision of the week. I'm telling you, when we gather together, yes, the presence of God can be with you in your car and in your house, and it should be, but there is something about a corporate anointing. There's something about a corporate presence. When God shows up, there's something when my faith encourages yours and your faith encourages me, and we get in an atmosphere of expectancy, there is something that happens when we get in the presence of God. 
Hmm? Joshua told the people, when the box moves, we move. The box represented three things. Three things in the box, real quick. Manna, it represented the provision of God. Number two, the rod was in the box, representing the leadership. The leadership. Three, the Ten Commandments, the law, were in the box. He said, whenever, whenever the Ark of the Covenant, the box, the Ark of the Covenant, wherever it moves, you move. Don't get ahead of it. Don't get too close to it. Wherever the presence goes, it will show you where to go. Did you see that in the text? It said, hey, don't, don't try to get off to the right or to the left and don't get too close, but just follow the presence. The presence will lead you when you don't know where to go, when you don't know what decision to make. God, I don't know what to do. The presence, stay close to the presence of God. We don't have a box anymore we follow. We have the presence of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The excellency is not of ourselves. It is of God. We are containers. We are vessels of the presence of God. It's in us. It's in us. It's inside of us waiting to come out. The presence of God. It's in us. It's in us. It's in us. When you follow the presence, be ready for people to unfollow you. People you thought would be with you, stop following you when you follow the presence of God. Are you going to that church? How many times are you going to go to that church this week? How many times are you going to serve on a Sunday? All freaking day! I used to be at the bar all day. How many days are you clean? 60 days clean. 60 days clean. 60 days clean. Y'all didn't hear me. How many days you clean? How many days you clean? One week, two years. Two years, two years. Two years. Two years. 60 days clean from an alcohol. How long were you an alcoholic? Since I, I drank since I was 14. 14 years old. Well, you're only 25, right? How long? You hooked to meth, amphetamine. 20 years, 20 years, don't, listen, listen, and people tell me, oh, you, you, you allow everybody to serve here, yep, she served her way to freedom, That's what the presence of God does. But get ready for our people to unfollow you when you follow his presence. Get ready for them to call you names. Get ready for your own family members to turn their backs on you, because they will. You're part of a fanatical church. Oh my gosh, what are they doing? How many, how many services are they having for Easter? A bunch! Because we got a bunch of God's lost kids that are gonna get saved like they do every year. 
Well, how many more buildings and churches are they going to get? A bunch? A whole lot? Because we got a big harvest field. There are 60,000 people within Kokomo and the radius around it that if they were to die tonight, will go to a crisis eternity. We got a job to do. We got a mission to do. We need his presence. We need his presence. Becoming obsessed what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what people think about you. Live for God instead of people. Live for God instead of people. Hey, you give all your money to that church? Yep. Thinking about taking it from 10% to 50%. Thinking about winning the lottery and giving it all to God's house. Someone said, would you take it if someone won the You better believe it. It's blessed when it hits my hands. We're going to reach God's lost kids. Number three, I I have too much. Your past has been passed over by his promise. (laughs) I don't know if you got a past, but I do. And when I think about how God uses me in spite of my past, I think he can use anybody. And when the devil tries to throw my past in my head, most of the times when I'm sitting right there about ready to come up on this stage, about every week, it's a fight to get to this stage. I'll think it's all cherries and all gravy. No, it's a fight to get up here. And I hear the lies of the enemy. Well, you were this and you did this and But my past, it's been passed over by his promise. It says they passed over Jordan's river. It was symbolic of the past 40 years of rebellion and sin. Kept them from entering into the promised land. As they crossed over Jordan's river, they were saying goodbye to the past. And they were saying hello to the promise. And when they got over there, They all looked at each other and they said, hello from the other side. It's not in the notes. What is keeping you from reaching your future? Past hurts, past sin, unforgiveness, selfishness, pride, anger. You can't change the past, but you can change your present. When you release the baggage of your past and you learn to walk in the... uh, authenticity and the freedom that Christ has for you. Isaiah 43, my last scripture. It's only 821, by the way, don't worry. Isaiah 43, 18, 19. But forget all that. (laughs) I just want you to hit your neighbor and say, forget all that. Forget all that. Forget all that. Remember not the former things. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Some of you need to grab a hold of this scripture. You need to put this everywhere you go. Men, put it on your fridge. Ladies, put it on your mirror. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do, for I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun it. God's saying it's already begun in your life. You don't even see it. But I see it. I'm God and you're not. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through what? 
I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. God is doing a new thing. You have not been this way before, but God says, follow me. He says, step across the river and I will make a way where there seems to be no way. Friends, are we going to live by faith or fear? You see, God doesn't need you. He wants you. You need to settle that right now. God doesn't need you. God wants you. He's God. He's God Almighty. Magnificent. The creator of the universe. He doesn't need you, but he wants you and I. The blood of Jesus that was shed not only forgave you of your sins, but you need to allow it to remove you, remove those sins from your mind. You need to allow the blood to erase the hard drive of the past the DVR of the past that the enemy keeps trying to play in your mind and you need to move forward. If, if you've asked God to forgive you, then now it's time for you to forgive yourself. If you and I refuse to move until fear is gone, we will never move. But friends, there is a dimension of God that we will never know until you dream a dream big enough that without God, it is doomed to fail. God's unlimited resources are reserved for those who attempt to do the impossible. We have the victory over fear. Your problem is God's vehicle to your promise. Your promise is in his presence and your past has been passed over by his promise. We have victory over fear. And we have victory over the virus. Let me just add that. We have victory over the virus. Amen. Someone say victory over fear. Victory over fear. Stand with me. Band, come up here. We're going to sing this song, Break Every Chain. And I'm going to pray for people tonight. And our leaders and staff are going to be ready to pray. Prayer team, be ready to pray. And we're going to sing this song, Break Every Chain. And I want some guys to put this chain across the floor here. Give me a few guys just to lay that on the floor there. I want you to see it. I want you to see it as you praise. I want you to see it as some of you are going to come to the front and allow us to pray for you. Because what's going to happen is chains are going to fall off. Chains are going to fall off. Believe chains are going to fall off. And it's not a feeling. It's a fact. It's a fact that there's power in the name of Jesus. It's not me. It's him. He, it's him that sets people free. It's Jesus that sets people free. There is still power in his name, and there is still power in his blood. I said there's power. I said there's power in the name of Jesus. Once again, thanks for joining us for this week's message. If you would like to know more about us, be sure to visit us at thefuelchurch.com. It's also here where if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can click on the online giving tab. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And we hope and pray you have a blessed week.